invitation to be here uh, this evening. And uh, your pastors laboring in revival and praying God will bless them. And did not know that y'all would be in revival next week. So we would definitely be praying that God will um, bless the efforts that are made next week. Philippians chapter 1, I, this is a, a study that I personally have been doing. And usually I do not um, preach what um, I do in my own devotional time, but God has um, gave me this. And so as I begin to prepare for this week, this is what the Lord kept nudging my heart to. Um, no doubt you're very familiar with the book of Philippians, I'm sorry. Um, this is a prison epistle wrote by the Apostle Paul. And he is um, dealing with uh, the church at Philippi. And he, they are dealing with some, uh, persecution from within and dealing with also persecution without. And uh, the theme of the book of Philippians is that of being able to have joy in the midst of persecution, in the midst of hard times. And it would almost seem, if it was me, if it was probably you, um, writing this epistle uh, from the standpoint of the, of the author, we would probably be, woe is me. We're, um, woe is me trying to serve the Lord and having to suffer for serving Christ. But that is not the heart of the Apostle Paul. And I, I want us to pick up reading in verse number 8, and we'll just read um, four verses and um, give you the thought that um, the Lord showed me. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 8. The Bible says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we love you tonight because you first loved us. And we thank you that we still live in a country that we're able to gather in places and open up the precious word of God without fear and um, without the threat of our life. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us not to take that for granted. I pray, God, as we open up the scripture, I pray you'd bless the reading of the word of God. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Do that which only you can do. And we'll be careful to give you the honor. Give you the glory in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In these verses, in verse number 8 down through verse number 11, I find that there is a Paul has three desires for the people at uh, Philippi. And in these, in these verses that we read, we, have, we see the desires of Paul. The first desire that we see of the Apostle Paul is that they would, in verse number, uh, verse number 10, we also see verse number 9, that he prays that they love may abound yet more and more, but I, I don't really want to deal with that one. But I, I want to deal with verse number 10 and verse number 11. Verse number 10, he says that may approve things that are excellent. And then also, he said the second desire of the Apostle Paul in verse number 10 is that they may be sincere and without offense. 
And then in verse number 11, we see the third desire of the Apostle Paul is that of, of uh, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And I want us to take these, these three, and there again, there's, there's several more that we could look at, but I, I just want to deal with these three tonight for the sake of time. And I want us to look at these desires and see what they mean to us and what they meant to the church at Philippi. Number one, I want us to look, let us to consider there again, verse number 10. And that first, one of the first desires is that ye may approve things that are excellent. Now, this is probably more of a Bible study than it is probably a message. But if you'll just bear with me, I hope that the Lord will give us something that'll help us. I, I want us to look at the word approve. The word approve, I, I love doing word studies throughout the the scripture, it helps my, I'm just a country boy, so it helps my mind and helps me to maybe understand a little bit more. But the word approve means to allow, it means to examine, to prove, and even discern. And this, this word approve, if we, if in, in the Greek language, they, they use this word approve as it was, as they was, they would look at metals to determine if these metals was that of, uh, if it, it was genuine, if it was, uh, if it was purity, um, and if it, what we would say today, they would use it to make sure that their money was not counterfeit. And so as Paul is writing to the book, uh, to these uh, people in the book of Philippians, he says, here's what I want you to be able to do. I want you to be able to approve. I want you to be able to tell what things are, notice this, he did not say what things are right. He didn't even say what things are wrong. But notice what he says, that he wants them to be able to approve. It is those things that are excellent. Now, there again, we think of, we think of approving. Uh, there again, he did not say that which is right or that which is, is best. But he says that which is excellent. And so Paul is warning these, these people at Philippi, to go above and beyond what is good or what is better or even what is best. And so as we look at this, as he is, his first desire is that he wants the believer to be able to study and be able to investigate and be able to determine uh, the, the things that are excellent, the things that goes above and beyond. Uh, Paul's not speaking about being able to distinguish between evil and, and good or good and even better, but he's dealing with the ability to be able to discover the things that are excellent. You, you, the question could be asked, why is the Apostle Paul wanting them to be able to distinguish between uh, the things that are good and the things that are excellent? And the reason is this, is because of, if we just if we just are able to approve, we're able to able to discern, or able to be able to, to to know what is good and that in between that which is excellent. The reason is is so that if we approve those things that are excellent, it's so that we can go to the next level, if you will. That we're just not a mediocre Christian. That we're just not a fly by the seat of our pants Christian, if you if you will. But that if we can, if we can take this desire that Paul had for these people and be able to, uh, to approve and be able to tell the difference and be able to prove those things that are excellent, it will take us to a, to a, to a higher level with our spiritual life. 
A lot of the reasons you and I, now I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm, I, I've been in the ministry quite some time now. I've been, I surrendered to preach when I was 17 years old. And uh, one of the dangers of ministry is this, uh, is that sometimes you get comfortable. You, uh, you, get, you get in your routine, you get used to what you're doing, and you just kind of get, get in that groove. And, and no doubt you, 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 you are, may not be in ministry, but there's, there's things in your life you can do that. You, if you have a job that does the same thing over and over again, you just, you just get in that groove and, and almost like you kind of lose, lose feeling or, or maybe lose uh, uh, the, the, the drive, if you will, because you do the same thing just over and over and it becomes monotonous. It just becomes uh, repetition. And so it's almost like you can do it with your, with your eyes closed. And so what Paul is saying here, he said, I want you to be able to go to, go to uh, heights that you, that you may not know you're able to go, that you're able to, to get deeper in the Word of God and you're able to get closer to Christ than what you are. And you may say, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, Paul would also write in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, verse number 14, these words, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We're living in a world that sadly, that there's a lot of things that are wrong, but they've made look right. And that there's a lot of things in our world that they have taken, that the scripture will say is wrong, but they have taken a little bit of scripture and a, 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 a little bit of worldliness and they have they have gummed it all together to where it looks something something similar to godliness, but if you boil it down to the root, it's really not godliness at all. And even we're living in those days that the Bible warned us about where good would be evil and evil is good. And so we have to be in these days, we have to be able to, they're going to prove that which is excellent, that which goes beyond the status quo. Um, one, one of the one of the things uh, I, I I work uh, part time as a hospice chaplain, and and um, one of the things I have to remind myself every every day as I uh, as I go into a patient's house and begin to talk to them about spiritual things. Uh, um, there again, I was talking about just being routine and 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 just getting in the habit of things. Uh, um, I, I, I began to catch myself a couple a couple months ago. Um, just going through the motions, because in my mind, I, I, I'm walking into somebody's house that has been that's been given a death sentence. They they know they don't have long to live, and so you just you just you just go in there. And you, you you don't let yourself get attached because you know in just a just a matter of weeks and maybe months uh, um, that they're, they're going to be gone. And you if you get yourself attached, you'll get hurt. And and I, and I found myself to the place to where I, I was just going through the motions and. And I had to stop, and I had to really take some uh, some examining uh, of of the the ministry that God had had opened up, and and and, and I began to and, and said this not what I was doing was right, but there was a more excellent way to do what I was doing, and there, there was a more a more efficient way to reach those people than what I, the motions I was going through. So as we see Paul's desire for this church is to, is to be able to prove that which is excellent. There can go beyond the status quo. And, and I, I hope tonight that it's your, it's your um, desire in your heart and the desire of my heart not to just be an average Christian, 
But to be somebody, be a Christian that when, when we walk into the store or when we walk onto the job site or, or we walk into a, a place of business that people can look at us and say, that's, that person's real. That person has the glow of God on them. If you, if you can remember back in the Old Testament when Moses goes up and he's spending time with God and he comes back down and, and the, the people had to, had to, had to shield his face because of the, the glow that he had on his face because he had spent time with God. Listen, I understand that we're living in, in sad times and it's a, it's a bad, bad day. I, I, um, it, it took, it took uh, us about two hours to get here and, and, um, I, I, I don't watch the news at my house. Uh, um, but I, a lot of times on a long, long road trip, I'll listen to the news and, and, um, you know, for two hours, I listened for the, to the news and they didn't have one positive thing to say. It was all negative. Everything that they talked about was pure negative. And I thought to myself, if I, if I had two hours to talk and all I could talk about was negative, I didn't have to put me in an insane asylum. If that's all I had to talk about and think about. But, and that's the way, that's the mentality that we, we sometimes have developed. Well, everything's bad. Everything's negative. This whole world's falling apart. I, I, I love what Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say when they'd ask him, said, said, uh, said, when they'd ask him, said, what, what is this world coming to? He said, I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to Jesus. One of these days it's going to end and Jesus is going to come. That's what it's coming to. And so we have to understand that in these days, we, we don't only be, we're not only to be able to approve that which is right, but we ought to be able to look at something and say, this is excellent. And if it is excellent, then we should walk in it. And so this is what, this is one of the desires that Paul has. The second desire that Paul has, notice if you will, at the last part of verse number 10, that you may be sincere. And without offense to the day of Christ. Now, that could be lumped into uh, two separate things, if you will. I'm just going to lump it into one, uh, being one thing. First of all, there again, as we looked at the word approve, I want us to look at the word sincere. That word sincere is a very interesting word. It is der- derived from a word that is, that means sunlight, or me- means judged by sunlight. So don't you, don't you get this picture in your head if you, if you, Will in ancient Rome they were known for making pottery and um, their pottery because of the clay in that type in that uh, area of the world was very thin and uh, very frail and oftentimes real brittle and so as they would begin to make this pottery they, as they would uh, mold it they would then put it in the in the keel and they would begin to keel that pottery and what would happen is because it was fine and brittle it would as the heat began to heat up, they would, that, that pottery would oftentimes begin to crack. And so what they would do is they would take that, to, uh, take that pottery out of the keel that has been cracked and they would then take hard, dark wax and they would begin to put that wax in those cracks and let that wax dry. And what they would do then is they would then begin to paint a lavish uh, 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 portraits on that that piece of pottery, whether it be a pot or a plate, or that's why that's why you see a lot of times uh, uh, the the uh, ancient pottery. They're very they're painted very vividly and just 
um, really sought after because of the pictures that are that are painted on them. And and so what would happen was was people they would they would sell this pottery as as genuine. They would sell this pottery as as uh, the some of the some of the best that there is. And and uh, you know what happens to wax when it gets heated up? It melts. And so they would begin to these people would spend this money on this pottery, and they would they would put uh, begin to put stu- hot stuff in these uh, in these vessels and uh, on these vessels, and these vessels would begin to begin to break. And so what would take place is when uh, as it become common knowledge of what some uh, pottery people were doing, they would. They would begin to, as they begin to buy this pottery, they would take this pottery and they would, they would put it up to the sunlight. And that sunlight would be, you would put, be able to examine to see if there's any cracks in it. And even though it had been painted, the, the, the sunlight would show any impurities that was in that pottery. It would begin to make it visible to the human eye. And so when Paul says that, uh, that in verse, in the last part of verse number 10, that you may be sincere, this is the idea that he's giving these people at, uh, at, uh, Philippi. He's wanting them to be able to, not only to be able to prove those things that are excellent, but he longed for them to be sincere. This is another word we would use. He longed for them to be without hypocrisy. He longed for them to be genuine. He longed for them, and when we think of the word sincere, that's what we think of, genuine, uh, trustworthy, uh, not hypocritical, someone who says what they mean and means what they say. say. And, and so that's the same idea that Paul is giving here, is that he wanted them to be able to be, for the world to be able to take the Christian, be able to take the believer, and put them up, maybe not so much to the S-U-N, but put them up to the light of the S-O-N and be able to examine them and see that there is no blemishes, that there is no cracks, that there is no hypocrisy about them, but they are the real deal in, as a phrase as many of us would use. First, Paul would also write in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 12 through 13, But when you sin so against the brethren, I wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother offend. Romans 14, verse number 13 says this, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now in our day, and in our world, in our society, we have, we have abandoned this idea. We have abandoned this idea that if, that what we do is, is up to us. We, it does not matter what anybody else thinks. Um, we're going to do what we're going to do, and that's just what we're going to do. But reality is what we ought to have the same mindset that Paul has is that we, we want to be sincere. We want to be without, uh, without, uh, cracks, without, without blemishes. And that if it's going to offend someone, if it's going to make someone stumble, if what we're doing is going to make someone stumble at, at, at our actions, that it's best for us not to do it. Several years ago, I had to come to grips with this. This is a, this is a crazy illustration, but it is, it is reality. 
all my life. I've had more, I've had a, a facial hair. And um, I told somebody the other day, I said, I, I wished I could get my head to grow hair like my face grows hair. If I could, I wouldn't be half bald. And um, so uh, several years ago, I, I never knew. I, there again, I was raised up in the country. Um, all, all the people I knew had facial hair. And I'm talking about I've had, I, had facial, I had a full-grown beard by the time I was in eighth grade. And um, I, I never forget when I first started preaching, I began to get wind that uh, there was some, some people that would not allow me to come preach because I had facial hair. Now, I'll just be real honest with you. As, as, as a red-blood American and uh, as, 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 as me, I just thought, well, bless God, they can just, they can just get over it. I, I like my, I like my beard. I'm not shaving my beard. They just, they just like it, lump it, lip out of it. Don't make me no difference. I'm just going to do it to be rebellious. But then God began to deal with my heart. And I, I began to have to realize that there are some weaker people that are not, a, that, that if I have it, it will offend. So you know what I started doing? I started shaving. I hated it. I don't like it to this day. The only reason I got a beard is because I don't like to shave. I had soon had my toenails pulled up by the root than have to shave every day. I can't stand it. But the reality of it was, was there were some weaker people who was more interested in what the outside looked like than what the inside looked like. And the outside is what tripped them up. So to be, to be what I ha- was supposed to be, you know what I had to do? I said, if this offends them, I- I've, got, I've got to get rid of it. And still to this day, if I, if I go to a church that I know is going to have an issue with, it, issue with my facial hair, I'll shave it. It drives my wife absolutely insane. She don't know from week to week if she's going to have, a, have somebody with a baby face or somebody who looks like a man. She has no idea. It drives her crazy. Mainly because she don't like to clean up the sink after I get done. But uh, nevertheless, if you, you women, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. And so the idea is it. That, that word sincere goes, goes, to, goes to the point of being without hypocrisy. But it also goes to the point of this. And he makes it up in the last phrase without offense. Not willfully offending somebody. That, that without fence means without stumbling, without causing to stumble, causing to fall. It is the idea of not falling into sinful conduct, nor causing others to fall into iniquity. There's a lot of things that are in Scripture, that, a lot of things that, that we believe we are not to do, that let's just be honest, it's not completely spelled out in the Scripture. There's some things that we, we as Christians, we stay away from, but not because it says strictly in the Scripture, thou shalt not do this. But there's some things we stay away from as Christians simply because we don't want to cause other people to stumble. Now, just for, just for instance, if I, if I, if I was to, if I, we was to leave here tonight, and uh, I, we, I began to go make my journey home, and um, I stopped by at this store up here. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but if I was to stop up this store up here and I'd grab me um, 
God forbid, grab me a case case of beer, and you begin to uh, you begin to walk in. While I'm walking out, me carrying my case of beer. What would you think of me? You wouldn't think highly of me at all, would you? Boy, you'd go home, and the first person you'd call was Brother Jason. You'd say, "Let me tell you about that thing you've got to fill in for us like uh, tonight." I saw him walking out of the convenience store with a case of beer. And man, you would tell everybody and their brother that that preacher is a drunkard. You didn't see me drunk. But it gives off the idea, right? And you know what it would do? It would give the devil a toehold to say this in your life. Well, see, that's what he does. So why can't you? And what has that done? That has given you an occasion to stumble. But it might not be that you stumble at alcohol. It might be something greater. That it gives you an occasion to stumble over. And so that's why it's that us as Christians, there are some things that the Word of God does not strictly spell out. I'll just go on record. I believe that the Word of God tells us to abstain from, from drinking alcoholic beverages. But I'm just, I'm just using that as an example. There's other things that the scripture does not necessarily in black and white spell out. But we abstain from those things for, for the sake of our other brothers and sisters in Christ. That we don't cause them to stumble. 1 Corinthians 10, 32 also says this, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So not only are we not to give offense to uh, give occasion to stumble to those who know Christ, we're not to give occasion to those to, uh, those to stumble for those who do, do not know Christ. I read a statement several years ago and it was, it was very profound. Now, I'll be honest with you, I forget probably more than, more than I retain a lot of times, but this is one of the things that has stuck with me down through the years. And in, 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 the, book, in the book that I was reading, the author said this. He said, a lot of times the reasons people do not want to become a Christian is because they already know one. And isn't that very interesting? When you invite people to church, what's the one number one excuse they don't come to church? They're hypocrites there. Isn't that right? That's the number one excuse. Well, I'm not going to go down there because there's hypocrites down there. Now, when I was a lot younger and didn't have much sense, still don't have much more, but a little bit more than I did not then. I was in the community asking people, to come, inviting people to come to church and ran across a dear, I'm sure she was a dear precious lady. And I invited her to come to church and she said, I'm not going down there because I know so-and-so and they're a hypocrite. And without missing a beat, I said, ma'am, there's always room for them one more. Now there again, I wasn't very wise. I didn't, shouldn't have said that. But reality of it is, they'll go to Walmart with them. They'll go to all those other places with them. But something about the church, that, 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 that's where they draw the line. Well, reality is because that's the one place even the lost world expects people to be real at. They might not admit it. They might even not even know it. But in their mindset, that's what they consider and so this is why Paul says this, being sincere, that without, without cracks, without blemishes, without hypocrisy, and being without offense, 
Notice this, till the, till the day of Christ. And that till the day of Christ is obviously when Christ returns. And so this, this without offense, it calls believers to do all that they can to do to give the glory to God and live an honorable life before Him and also before others. Now, then the third desire. In verse number 11. He says this, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now, I, I begin to study that for these fruits of righteousness. I, I, I thought, well, maybe this is the same, just another uh, a way for um, the fruits of the Spirit to be described. And so I, I begin to study and um, I, I researched and looked and did all kind of uh, searching and no one that I read after even linked the fruits of righteousness to the fruits of spirit, the Spirit. And so I, I thought, well, that, that's, that's funny. And so I, I called some older preachers that I have great respect for and I began to talk to them about it and and um, they they all began to give me the consensus that that it, that is that the fruits of righteousness and the fruits of the spirit are two totally different entities. It's two totally different things. So I, I began to study this and begin to look at these fruits of righteousness. And th- this is this is what most uh, have agreed on with this fruits of righteousness. It's that this fruits of righteousness are brought forth by a righteous person. These are acts which are agreeable to the law of God and have the word of God for their rule. These fruits of righteousness are works which the Christian performs according to that which the word of God warrants or requires. It's this, that as a person is walking in the word of God, as they are following the word of God and applying the word of God to their life, that they begin to bring forth fruit. Remember what Jesus said. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me shall bring forth fruit. And so the idea of these fruits of righteousness is that these, that as you're walking with God and you're applying the Word of God to your life and you are, are feasting on the Word of God, you're going to begin to produce fruit. And so Romans chapter number 6 verse number 13 says this, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the uh, alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. John fifteen verse number eight says this: Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. Matthew chapter number seven verse number twenty says this: Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And so these fruits of righteousness is there again is as we apply the Word of God and we begin to let the Word of God richly dwell in us and we dwell in Christ and Christ begins to dwell in us. We're going to begin to pr- produce these fruits of righteousness. It is, it is unnatural for the, for the unbeliever to bring forth the fruit of righteousness just as it's unnatural or it should be unnatural for the Christian to bring forth fruits of unrighteousness. And so the, the desire of Paul is that we approve the things that are excellent, that we go beyond the status quo and that we live a life that is sincere, that is without without not saying that we're going to be without sin, but that we're without hypocrisy, that we're without without very notable uh, notable 
contradictions, if you will. And that we be without offense. That we are not willingly laying stumbling blocks for younger Christians to come along and stumble or weaker Christians to come along and stumble. And so and he also this next desire is that we be filled with the fruits of righteousness. That, that as we follow Christ, that we can produce fruits. Uh, you know, and you've all heard the statement that, you know, the Bible says not to judge, but we can be fruit, fruit inspectors. And so that's, that's the idea of, of us producing fruit. Now, along with that, he says in the latter part of verse number 11, and we'll be coming to a close. So notice this, which are by Christ Jesus. So there's no way that you and I can produce fruits of righteousness within ourselves. That is, that is only done as we are walking in Christ and as, as we, Christ is richly indwelling with us, uh, and then that, those produce are, uh, are come to um, uh, fruition. But also notice the last part of verse number 11. Unto the glory and praise of God. The reason God and the reason that the heartbeat of Paul was for these for for the believer to produce these fruits of righteousness was not so that they could get glory was not so that Paul could get glory but it was so that God could get glory and the same re- the same as the reason as as you have a pastor that labors week in and week out and, and pouring himself in the word of God and then then coming to this pulpit and and pouring out what God has given him from the Word of God that we, the reason he does that is not for, not so that you can produce fruit and then him get glory, but it's so that you can produce fruit and God get glory. Now, I, I, I dare say that there are some men, uh, in some religions that want people to do well so that, so that they could get glory. And I, I don't believe that at all is the heart of your pastor. Um, and among um, a lot of the men that we know and respect. But sadly, that may be the case among some in different parts of the world. And so the reason that, that, that Paul and the reason that other men of God spend so much time emphasizing a walk with God and a daily relationship with Jesus Christ is simply for this. So that you produce fruits of righteousness, and then God then gets the glory. So the re- so when I, I want you to think of this just for a moment on on the flip side, if me as a believer produces fruit of unrighteousness, what does that do to God? Well, that deglorifies God, would it not? That would bring shame and reproach upon the name of God. So if fruits of righteousness brings glory to God, then fruits of unrighteousness in the life of the believer brings dishonor to God. So that's why Paul is his desire for these Philippians as they are embracing this, this horrific um, adversary that they are they are going through and this horrific um, abuse the both inside of the church and also outside the church Paul reminds them to prove that which is excellent go beyond what you think is good 
Go beyond that. Be sincere. Be all the way put together. Be without offense. But also produce fruits of righteousness. And if you'll do these three things, then that will bring glory to God. There's not a person in here that's saved by the grace of God who in their right mind will say, I want to intentionally bring shame and reproach to God. I've, ne I've never met a safe person that intentionally wants to bring shame and reproach to God. But because we're sinners sometimes, and we're not where we're supposed to be with God, sometimes we slip and fall, and then that does bring shame and reproach to God. So our desire should be as for ourselves should be as that same desire that Paul has for this church at Philippi in the three verses or the two verses mainly that we looked at tonight to approve that which is excellent, to be sincere and be without offense, but also produce fruit. And in doing these things brings honor and glory to God. That'll be the message. Let's pray as song leader and pianist comes. Father, we love you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I pray, God, that you would take this word of God. I